So, you want to work in a zoo? Well, you're in the right place. We're going to be talking to zookeepers, researchers, conservationists and many more people about their careers. We will discuss how they got into doing what they do now and of course we'll be asking them for their advice to those that aspire to work with animals or for animals and the natural world. Right, thanks Ollie. For this episode we're pleased to welcome two of our gardeners. I'm probably going to be told off for calling Catherine and Jay Gardeners. They're from our botanics team. As well as being a zoo, Paynton Zoo is also a registered botanical garden with an amazing collection of plants from all over the world. In these podcasts we've been talking about careers here at Wild Planet Trust and we can't ignore the people who keep the zoo looking amazing and ensure that when we talk about rainforests we have one to show. Now later in the podcast we'll be asking for the absolute worst part of their job but that's later on. Now is our chance to find out what they really do each day and how they got the job. So welcome Catherine and Jay and over to Ollie. So at the start of all of our podcasts, we go through three kind of classic questions, the first of which is, what are your names? So my name's Catherine, and I'm the Deputy Curator of Botanics. Excellent stuff. That goes on to the second question, what's your job title? So Jay, your turn. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jay. I'm, I'm a gardener. My position is actually Senior Estate Operative, but it generally that equates to being gardener. Are we allowed to call you gardeners? Is that, yeah. Is that right? yeah, there's well, no offence to be right. Okay, good, good. And then... I suppose what we do in every other podcast as well is what is the weirdest job you've ever had? <laughs> as a gardener or previous? Um, just in general. Anyway. Just in general, what is the weirdest job you've ever had? I've sort of been attracted to weird jobs through most of my career, yeah. so there's, there's many. Uh, none mm-hmm. really spring to mind, but you know, a previous career working with animals as well as the plants. Uh, has brought up lots of different things. Nothing really springs to mind. Well, you were a keeper, right? Before you were. I was, yeah. So I suppose you keeper would be one. So that's that's quite weird. But there's there's so many different elements to that. You know, the variety in that profession is similar to the variety in the profession I do now. Um, yeah. I can touch on that more later or, or now if you prefer. Well, I did my personal one so far. I've raised. I've shoveled mushroom compost <laughs> and I've chopped firewood. Catherine. So I've got two. Right. Two. Yeah. yeah. So as a gardener working in a zoo, um, at the end of the day, helping lift the tortoises back into their house. Okay. Right. These, these are the giant big tortoises. Yeah. Okay. So um, tortoise manhandler. So manual handling with tortoises, and then the second one was pollinating the titanarum. Right. Okay. Because yeah, um, it was a cross between surgery and I don't know. Yeah, painting. Okay. So uh, surgery okay. cross with painting. So, interesting. No, is it true with that that you post pollen around the country? We did post pollen around the country. We were posted pollen so we could pollinate our Titan, but then we also collected pollen and sent it off to the Royal Botanic Gardens Edinburgh so it could be stored in their um, pollen store. Right, so for people who are listening who don't know, Titan Arum is a massive flower, Mm -hmm. right? About a couple of metres in height, so enormous flower. Uh, and we have a number of them here. One's called Audrey, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so Audrey is one of the flowers. And so so to get the pollen out of it, how do you do that? Um, well, you have, you have to wait until it comes into flower. Okay. Um, and it starts to bloom in the early evening. 
and then it's fully open by about half past eight in the evening. Right, okay. So you have to stay here at night. So you have to stay on in the zoo after hours, which is quite strange in itself because it's (laughs) quite spooky. The baboons are sort of making their noises, but everywhere else is quite quiet. Um, And then we had to cut a small hole in the side of the Titan Arum. Um, to access where the pollen was okay. and then get with a brush just um, okay. collect into a test tube right. the pollen. Um, well, and then you send that yeah. off to another botanical yeah. garden. And then at the same time you're also painting, if you've been sent pollen from another collection, okay. um, then you're painting it on to the female flowers. Right, okay. So, so have you successfully propagated those? Yes, yeah, so we had hundreds of seeds. We were very, very successful. Okay. And we actually sent those seeds all around Europe to other collections, um, both zoos and botanic gardens yeah. and national trust gardens. Okay. So there's lots of Titan babies that okay. came from us. Right, so growing into massive plants. So come on, Jay, yeah. can you match it? What uh, Surgery on a plant? Well, involved in, in things like that, but also, you know, the, the propagation of plants in general, I think, is, is fascinating. So, and I can liken it to, you know, trying to breed endangered animals. Yeah. Uh, so that's the goals of both professions, really, is, you know, you, you want to increase your stock. And yeah. the rarer it is, the more, you know, the keenness there are, you know, to get it right and be professional. And as Catherine says, to, to share the experience, the knowledge, but also, you know, the youngsters, whether it be plants or animals. Well, to explain for people who are listening, I suppose they need to know that at Wild Plant Trust, we're trying to work to help halt species decline. And, and when people think of a zoo, they're going to be thinking of saving animal species, but you're working to save plants as well, right? You're going to be working with some endangered plants. And I think it would be quite good to uh, just touch on that. So can you tell me about Audrey? Is it one plant? Um, Audrey is an individual right. that we have... Um, about six plants that are all of flowering age. They take about 10 years to mature to such a size that they can produce a flower. Right, so you've got a 10-year-old plant in a massive pot with a name. Mm -hmm. What are the other ones called? Um, We've got Olympian, who first flowered in 2012 when the London Olympics was going on. So we had to call her Olympian because she had the size. Um, and then we've got Titch and Mr. Tiny, who both, when they first flowered, were very small okay. in comparison to the others that we've grown. Okay. Um, so who chooses the names? Lorna, our glass Lorna. house. Right. Okay. 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 It makes it easier to identify who's who as well. It's like, like the animals, the keepers give them yes. their yeah. okay. names, um, and we do the same with certain individual plants where we have a great many. Yeah. Okay, I just wondered if you go down the pub and then get mistaken for being talking about a person when in fact you're talking about a plant. Okay, now then, um, I, getting on to it, we're supposed to be talking about careers and advice, um, and it's good to hear about like, an interesting aspect of your job. But can you, maybe Jay, can you remember when you decided you wanted to be a, a gardener? Like, was there one experience, uh, like a moment? I think it's, it stems back from just wanting to work with nature. So. You know, my transition from working with animals to plants wasn't a massive one. It was more about gaining the knowledge on different species from what I gained in my previous career. So still working outside, there's still elements of of nurture and care. Yeah. uh, And, you know, you're you're working with wildlife. Okay, so is it just like... How long ago did you change? So? Uh, well, I started started working with animals in the mid '80s, and mm-hmm. so that was a 26 year career. Right. Okay. Um, and um, I'd been gardening privately at home, and 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 at work to a degree because working with some of the big browsing animals, yeah. uh, I was involved in collecting their the fodder, which we call browse. <laughs> um, 
which I, I also do now in my newer career, which right. is now 12 years in. Okay. So some some of the jobs I was doing as a keeper, I'm still doing now. But uh, it was more more a question of trying to um, clear all the knowledge in my head to a degree, just to make room for all the plant names. Because <laughs> you know, working in a botanic garden, there's obviously thousands of plants, yeah. and they've all got more than one name, common name as well as a scientific name. Quite often the names change by botanists, so as soon as you've learned well. one, yeah. okay. you quite so often have to relearn a different one okay. for the same plant. So, so 26 so. years as a keeper, 12 years as a gardener. Yes. Okay, that's quite a long... I, I'm thinking that some of our listeners are going to be uh, like teenagers who are thinking about, you know, maybe first careers, so it's been that's well, quite, quite a good... I, I could only advise them as, you know, follow your passions is, is, is what I did. Yeah. Um, I was brought up in a household where... My father worked in quite a well-paid job in London and commuted every day, and he didn't particularly enjoy his job. Okay. So I think that installed in me as a young age. I, mm. I didn't want to go down that line, and I'd rather pick a career that was something I was passionate about. So, you know, my career officers in the mid-'80s uh, were faced with me saying, footballer, boxer, musician, <laughs> or work with animals okay. So uh, and wildlife. So, you know, out of those four long shots, one of them I've made work, so... I'm quite proud of that. I suppose know. that begs the question, what is your favourite animals or plants? I tend to not have favourites. I did get, <laughs> when, I, when I was an animal keeper, I'd get asked this on a daily basis. And I think it's unfair to have favourites. Okay. I mean, sometimes you do, you know, you, you might have some that you prefer yeah. less than others. <laughs> but I think, you know, you if you're professional, then you try and care about everything yeah. that you work with. So uh, I always used to, that was my answer to be, the members of the public when they really posed me that question. So Catherine, what's your favorite plant then? <laughs> <laughs> I change my favorite plant as often as I change my socks. Right, okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> so, um, so Catherine, yourself, how, how, how did you decide, when did you decide you want to be a gardener? Um, well, completely different to Jay. I, Left school at 16, um, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Mum and Dad weren't prepared to let me have a gap year or a year out to work out yeah. what I wanted to be. So I managed to get a place at Bicton College to study horticulture at an entry level. Um, and it was about halfway through that first course that I suddenly went, actually, this is a really great career. Okay, so just a I, random I was reluctant. Choice, yeah. I'd always loved being out in the garden as a yeah. kid. Uh, it was always, I was lucky, I grew up in yeah. a house that had a huge garden. Okay. Um, so grew veggies as a kid. Right, so Bicton College is not far from where we are mm -hmm. in Paynton in Devon. And um, so how, how long did you study there? For Initially it was for four years. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for a while. And then after getting the um, job here as head gardener initially, I did a foundation degree. Um, right. I was never the most academic of people. Okay. It, I'm very dyslexic, so. Yeah. Um, so you studied a bit, then worked a bit, then studied more while yeah. you were working. Okay, I think that's more um, common now, right? In and, and, and formal education can be quite a challenge for me, sort yeah. of sitting in a lecture room, taking okay. notes, reading all the Latin names, yeah. massive yeah. learning curve for me. So, but if you put the work in, I'm trying I, to I always wanted a job that I wanted to be out, yeah. outside. Um, with my job now, I'm much more office-based, but yeah. I still get to work in a beautiful environment, making the environment better by planting trees um, and making it yeah, look amazing. I'm trying to imagine, like, when I can imagine it being dyslexic is challenging enough when it's academic work, but then to add in really long 
scientific names on plants. <laughs> yeah. Just an extra level of challenge there. So, Jay, did you do like did you go and study horticulture or plants or? I've done that since joining the garden department. Okay. Um, so the transition was quite a quick one. Okay. Um, so basically when I got into the zoo in the first place, uh, I went on what they used to call a youth training scheme, right. which some of our older listeners might, like the teachers might remember, but some of the students won't know. Uh, it's very similar to the kickstart scheme that's going now, so mm. a government-based scheme. So um, that was enabling me to get my foot in the door as a zookeeper. So yeah. I, I worked 10 months on a youth training scheme and applied for every permanent position that came up. and. Was lucky enough to uh, right because we've got kickstarters here at the zoo. We've got we have, like a yeah. number in different departments, and they, you know, it seems to be quite a good way of coming in and getting some experience. Right? I think so. Yeah. So, uh, like for both of you, well, uh, actually, I was going to say for both of you, you got experience first. But you were saying that you studied first before you almost decided to be. Yeah, um, I, I did some voluntary work for the National Trust. I right. lived fairly close to a National Trust garden. Yeah. Um, and I used to sort of help out people in the community doing their gardens to start off with so yeah okay so right if I was asking you like formally what what qualifications so you've got a foundation degree in horticulture okay and yeah garden management yeah. so and Jay you did uh, like level th level three I'm up to level three in horticulture at the in moment horticulture yes. as well. so that's yes. the, I know that because that, that's the terms that people would be looking at for isn't it it's yeah. like like uh, basically is it horticulture is it it's more of that than botany yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know that's dad, but I'm a zoologist, marine, marine, marine zoologist, but that's uh, very different from being able to do, do anything practically. So, so you're horticulture rather than botany. Yeah, I've done courses in botany, but yeah. they've been to top up my knowledge okay. um, from the horticultural qualifications I've done. So, would you do a different qualification if you were starting there? I, I don't think I'd change anything at the okay. moment. I'd probably have paid a bit more attention at school with the sciences. Yeah. And obviously, back in my day, there was options to do Latin, okay. which you know right, it would have helped. Seemed a useless, yeah. you know, proposition <laughs> at the yeah. time. But you know, now I, you know, would quite gladly buy a book as I have done recently on you know, Latin for gardeners. Right. Okay. It's it's a, it's a really interesting language yeah. and can be confusing because it would also be self-explanatory to some of the names we try and get our tongues around. Yeah. It's quite funny though, because you know when you're at school and you, if you saw Latin as an option, you would not think, oh, I want to be a gardener, I need to study that. I thought at the time, what use will that be yeah. in my lifetime? Okay. So I dismissed it straight away. But yeah, hindsight's well, a wonderful thing, yeah. isn't it? Um, when we were talking to the keepers, they were chatting about the fact that they <laughs> actually do have to use maths in their work that that people had said to them oh you'll need to you know you need to concentrate in maths you'll need it in your job and then they said oh yeah i do actually use it and they were using microsoft excel and things mm -hmm. like that so surprising math technology in their work so uh okay so if only you'd learn latin mm. are you thinking about studying more i th personally i think you're always learning so mm. you know whether it's you know official learning where you're actually you know taking taking a college course or whatever yeah. Or just day to day working. I mean, the amount of plants we work in and the animals we work around as well, and the simple biotic relationship between the two means you're always learning, yeah. you know, what animals eat, um, what they might destroy. You know, a lot of our planting is also ornamental planting, so what looks nice, how big things grow, you know, so plant names as well. So you're learning all the time what insects use the plants. Um, so we see the bigger picture, I always say, as gardeners. So you don't, you're not just looking at the plants, you're looking at the soil, the environment. Yeah. Um, 
you know, how big something's going to be in 50, 100 years' time is always worth considering when you're planting a tree. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, and so. just to digress slightly from that, I've always been amazed because we recently did uh, the Queen's Grove planting. Mm. And I remember, Catherine, you showed me the plan and you had these like trees with how big they might grow and all the canopy on there in this nice drawn up little plan of them. And then I see the trees and they are just what look to me like baby trees to stick with some leaves. No offence to the gardeners. Obviously, you can see that much further ahead. So There's a best description of it. Yeah. yeah like a how... stick with leaves. That's a nice, <laughs> valuable... I really Not think the technical term, term, I know. I know. <laughs> but, no, but just to put that in perspective, up, I, I will put some footage on the video version of this yeah. that shows what I'm on about. Because obviously I look at them and I just see, like, it's a baby tree. It's got no leaves, it's got no canopy, it's not what the plan was. So how do you like go about planning for that? Is that like a special skill that you've developed over time or is that something that you've just come to learn on the job, kind of how things will work? I think it's very much it from experience, mm. but also if you're choosing plants, putting in the research and thank God for the internet these days, <laughs> Google, you can do a Google image search of what a tree will look like, put in the Latin name, yeah. what it will look like, mature, and hey presto, you've got 50 so images. Who does that? Is that you? You know, Is yeah. that part of your job as yeah, like so, the deputy curator? Is you're going to be trying to plan yeah. the collection, right? Yeah, so very much so. So um, we've gone through a phase of having to remove lots of trees from site because mm. we've had various diseases, yeah, actually, like about yeah. being the most significant of that. And so I'm now looking at the landscape and thinking, goodness me, we need to ensure that the canopy is back yeah. in the future and how are we going to ensure that we've been fortunate over the, the 17 years I've worked here we've planted a lot of trees yeah. but we need to continue to do that because with the threat of diseases that's unprecedented since Dutch elm disease yeah. that, that we're having to replace and so having an understand of what that green that stick with green leaves on yeah. will grow up to be. <laughs> you know, so um, when some, of, some of it's experience. So I yeah. think both Jay and I would agree we like to visit gardens and see plants yeah. when they're fully mature, but also um, putting in that research. Okay. So, don't so plant. away from here, you would actually go into a garden and, uh, you know, if you're out and about on holiday or something, you'd pop into somewhere and say, and what, do you make a note of a like, tree you saw you like or a plant or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I've got a camera on my phone okay. and uh, it's full of pictures of trees and plants. Okay. I was up at Powderham last weekend and, and was amazed they've got a stunning specimen of cork oak. And okay. hmm. so. so when Jay plants a tree and it grows too big and causes trouble, he can blame you because you didn't do your research right on... Quite possibly. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is that it will probably be in 100 years time okay. and I don't know about Jay, but I probably won't be here. Uh, well, if you won't, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're you're a gardener. Uh, so what does that actually mean like day to day? Like, what's your what does a day look like for you you and your team? It, it, no two days are the same. Obviously, we work with the, all the weather conditions yeah. and all the seasons. Uh, and being such a, a big garden with lots of different plants from yeah. different habitats, like so eighty always, acres, right? So yeah, it's big. but we're not just outdoors. Of course, we've got indoor tropical houses. Yeah. So. You know, we have got different kinds of plants from different habitats from all over the world. So I think the variety really appeals to most of the people on our team okay. is that there isn't much monotony. Uh, so it's not like we're just weeding borders yeah. or mowing lawns. You know, of course, we do 
those general jobs that people will probably associate gardeners with. We do, of course, that do those, but I think the whole wow factor of the positions we're in is we, you know, we, we might be chainsawing one morning and then pricking out a little seedling in the afternoon and everything in between. Okay. And of course, working with plant conservation uh, in situ in the UK or, or abroad is always yeah. something that we're keen to get involved in as well. So you start quite early, right? Yeah, 7.30 a.m. Okay, so 7.30, I was going to say 8, but 7.30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you start quite early and then what, you just go off and you do different, like, do you normally do one task all day or are you chopping and changing? Chopping and changing, yeah. 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 Okay, depending working on what in the zoo, there's a certain rhythm to how we do things. Okay. So there's a lot of jobs that we can only achieve before the visitors ah, come Ah, okay, in. yeah, so if you're so, mowing, you probably want to get that done before the visitors yeah, because, are in. Um, there's a risk involved with that stones can be flicked out but also like this morning um jay was mowing in the lime paddock right and we wanted to get that done before the public was in so yeah. we could facilitate the lime being let out later on in the day so the lime gets locked away while jay's in there. so and there's yeah. an awful lot of planning yeah just what runs around really just fast. mows very quickly <laughs> <laughs> right okay sorry i, mean. I don't use any of my team yeah. as lime bait you'll be pleased okay. to hear this podcast is brought to you by Wild Planet Trust, a conservation charity based in the southwest of the UK with zoos in Paynton and Newquay, local and national nature reserves, and field projects in the UK, Tanzania, Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Vietnam, and Sulawesi. You can find out more on our website, www.wildplanettrust.org.uk. So, so certain jobs have to be done before the public are in, from a safety point of view, and then... Uh, I suppose during the seasons you're going to have different jobs, like uh, uh, as in during the spring it must be crazy busy. Yeah, yeah, so everything has suddenly started growing yeah. or, or been building up for a few weeks, um, but now we're into the, the, the full growth spurt, so weeding is a massive task it's to keep like on top of. painting the fourth bridge at the moment yeah. this time of year, it's, <laughs> it's, you can never really get around all the borders, you know, you, you do a couple of borders, then a week or so later, the borders you've just done a couple of weeks ago are yeah. full of weeds again, you know. So we try and be organic as, as much as we possibly right, okay, can so with, with the weeding. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So what's your favourite job? What, what job? When you come in in the morning, Catherine says you're going to be doing this today. What's your favourite? Uh, I like formative pruning myself. Right, okay. Like, as in the shaping the... Yeah, the aesthetics plant. of trees and shrubs, you okay. know. I like to take all the jobs. Okay. I don't like to have just you know one thing. As I said earlier, you know I like the fact that it's varied and our skill set is so diverse. We could be doing you know any number of different jobs. Yeah. Okay. Strangely, my one of my first jobs as a teenager was in a bonsai nursery. So <laughs> in terms of formative pruning, I suppose yeah. you're quite jealous of that. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Catherine, what's yours? I think planting um, and particularly mm. planting a tree because you yeah. know if, when you plant that tree you're setting something in course okay. that will go far beyond your own years yeah. and will potentially bring joy to the public that come into the site but also all the animals that will use that tree yeah. it, it's something that goes far beyond just that initial act of digging a hole and teasing out the roots and care it, it's something that's far bigger than yeah. me on my own. But Jay, you do like browse collection, right? So when we're feeding animals like rhinos and giraffes that have got, you know, in the wild, we'll be feeding on bark and leaves. And I know part of your job is going and collecting browse. Mm -hmm. At the moment, we've got this collaboration with the National Trust to collect browse from there. That helps top up so, our supplies. Okay. So we're, we're lucky that 
we've got such a big site and yeah. a lot of it's not on show so we've got some woodlands we've got some offshore facilities which I think just planning ahead is something we're really been proactive with in, in certainly the last sort of 10 or 12 years yeah I've been on the department so so you know it might take five to seven or eight years or more for a, something that goes in quite small yeah to be of a size where we can use it for browse and it be sustainable okay uh, so it's manage, managing you know our browse stocks sensibly uh, and rationing sensibly so that we've got a continuation of brow supply yeah. year after year. In some ways that works a bit more like a tree surgeon or a, you know, like a arborist or something. You know, you're using chainsaws and like, so you've done like chainsaw tickets. Yes. Yeah. And that. So like when people are listening and we talk about qualifications, it's easy to think about like the big qualifications, like, you know, like long courses, but you had to do tickets in chainsaws, like, Front loaders or uh, telehandlers, right? And Some of our team are on telehandlers. Okay. I'm, I'm not. Um, okay. Tractor driving. Yeah, or... tractor driving. Okay, so those sort of land skills are quite important yes, in, in yeah. your job. Like, Catherine, do you do so much of that or is that...? Um, originally I did. Yeah. These days I use that sort of qualification less. Yeah. But having progressed to a sort of manager level, um, still having an understanding of those what are called competent, competency tickets yeah. um, is important um, because there's a lot of the health and safety considerations and keeping the team safe. Yeah, true. Okay, so if you're asking Joe to go and do a job, like yeah. knowing that he's got the right number of people with him or he's doing it in the right way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and increasingly, the things that I'm looking to study now are things sort of surrounding tree safety. Mm. Uh, and the management of the tree collection. So assessing the health yeah. of a tree um, is quite a big part of my job and sort of okay. day to day. So. Okay, so, so when you're chatting about uh, competency tickets, Catherine, like, uh, you get to use some quite cool machinery compared to some jobs. So, Jay, what do you get to use? Any number of vehicles. Okay. So we've got two electric vehicles, okay. sort of golf buggy yeah. kind of style things. Uh, We've got two tractors, a bigger one and a smaller one. But they, they wow our visitors quite a lot more than some of the animals, you know, to <laughs> yeah. see the little tractors driving around. The kids are just wowed by those. Um, and we've got all the machinery you'd expect, so hedge trimmers, blowers, chainsaws. Mm. Uh, we've been trialing out electrical stuff um, of recent years, so okay. you know, battery-operated equipment. Okay, so that's quite a shift, because like, like a noisy petrol chainsaw is quite... Yeah, so you know, taking environmental quite, issues yeah. into account, but also animals that can easily be spooked, some of the birds and some of the mammals would not benefit from having a, a petrol-based noisy bit of equipment mm. around them. So bat battery-operated stuff ticks a lot of boxes. As long as it does the job properly is obviously what Catherine and us guys on the team would look at. So we trial stuff and if it's you know fit for purpose, then that's probably yeah. a better route to go down. Yeah. Um, okay, so Catherine, what tasks are you happy to leave to your teammates? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come in on a day and you think, right, okay, I don't want to do that. So I think one of the keepers said about clearing out drains. Yeah. Okay, for you? I don't know. Uh, one job that I've never done, mainly because my legs are a bit short and not powerful enough, but emptying the dung trailers. Oh, nice, okay. So, so yeah, I actually can't reach the pedal pedals properly on our big old tractor. Okay. Um, so I'm always quite relieved not to have to do that. I'm also not the greatest at reversing trailers. Oh, okay, right. So, yeah, yeah on a good day I can reverse a trailer, on a bad day 
it just goes every which way. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so frustrating. Right. And Jay, what are you happy to leave to your teammates? Uh, probably mowing. Uh, some some of the guys have, over yeah. the years have loved mowing. I'm absolutely adore mowing, but to me, I'd rather do something a bit more different. Yeah, but more happiness is when you get like the perfect stripes. I was kayaking yeah. the other day, and a guy on his lawn in Torquay, I was looking up and. And on his lawn, he had like perfect stripes, but he had them oh, at diagonals so that you, when you looked at his lawn, you could see two sets of stripes. Is that not perfect? But you do not either. I hope Snow's away. Yeah. 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 That doesn't, that doesn't do it for okay. me, I'm afraid. But I do think he's got too much time. But anyway. How do you get those stripes? Because it's always baffled me. He's the wrong man to ask. I'm the wrong man to ask. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like mowing, but Catherine. You need a cylinder mower with a rear roller. There you are. There you are. Okay. And then you just go different ways. And then, yeah, you literally go up and. But it, but it is very te tedious. Yeah, I used Ollie, to have don't to mow cricket pitches. I don't have a garden, <laughs> and if there were any gardening thing that I like the most, it's strimming. Okay, right. I often go over to my parents and strim their garden yeah. every so often because it's just a bit of fun. You're going to wish you hadn't told us that. Yeah. Short of a strimmer, and then you'll remind me that I called them uh, twigs with leaves. <laughs> uh oh. Right now, uh, change the tackle a bit, which is just about skills that you need. So uh, we've talked about sort of qualifications that you might think about if you uh, think about this as a career. So in fact, what would you study now if you were going to, if somebody came to you and said, "I'm thinking about being a gardener," or "I'm thinking about working in." Horticulture. What would you be thinking now is a good route? From I think the, it depends the... on the individual. Um, I didn't go down the line, but I, the opportunity for apprenticeships. Okay. I actually right. did try and get on. It was the National Trust's equivalent to apprenticeship, yeah. which was called a careership. Okay. So you think course. apprenticeships, Jay? Would you? Uh, yeah. Obviously, the sciences are always going to be beneficial. I think for yeah. careers like this. Um, I think it's more about. Adaptability and you know a love of plants and wildlife. Yeah. You know, I think those attributes would be more important. Yeah. Than qualification. Obviously, qualifications are important. You know, there's no escaping that. But I think attitude and, and a caring nature, mm. and, as I say, being able to adapt to an array of different jobs. Well, I guess it's going to depend on the person, isn't it? Because yeah. if you're leaving school, then maybe going on to college to do a couple of years. Um, and getting some qualifications would be quite good. Whereas if you're like later life changing careers, then you mm. might uh, maybe an apprenticeship or, or sort of train, learning on the job might be a better way of. Yeah, I'm a big it. fan of apprenticeships, definitely yeah. in whatever shape or form they come in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously places like Bitton, as Catherine mentioned earlier, and agricultural colleges. You know, if somebody's keen and they definitely want to take a job like a gardener, then they yeah. would follow those routes. Uh, I think maybe you know the work experience route or apprenticeship route is good. Just if you get a feel of the job, you yeah. might find that it's too tiring for you. You don't like the hours. You don't like working in all conditions of weather. Okay. Well, that was going to be a question actually, which is what's the drawbacks? Like, I mean, is being a gardener is fairly brutal. It can be. Work, right? Are they a drawback though? You know, you, you take the rough with the smooth. So <laughs> if every day was a sunny day, yeah, would you, you know, would you appreciate it? Yeah, you know. Certainly some of the best days are when you go home and you're really properly tired where you've done a physically demanding day and you sleep Yeah. Um, because you've you put your all into that day Yeah. Um, and normally you can see the results of, I don't know, shifting however many trailer loads of mulch or <laughs> right, whatever, okay. but you, you can see what you've achieved and it's a really nice sort of sense of Okay, so the physical like, satisfaction of mm. having done yeah. like, a decent day's work. 
and just being outside in the fresh air. Okay. Um, right. And seeing everything. <laughs> On a rainy, cold day, I'm going to remind you of that and yeah. say that you said that you like the physically. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what warms you up, you see. Yeah, warming work. Yeah. <laughs> as long as my partner's got tea ready for me when I get home. Right, yeah. okay, fair enough. Fair play. So, I, sorry, I was going to say, I often say to people when talking about a career like this is, you know, you don't need to go to the gym yeah. in a job like this because you can use your job to, you know, to exercise in any way you want to but have results yeah. at the end of it as well. So, yeah. so it's, a, you know, it's a much more it's productive way of being physically fit. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. doesn't mean you've got to sort of go hell for leather and break yourself, but you know, there's opportunities for you, you know, if you're that way inclined and, and you want a, a rippling body, you can do it and work at yeah. the same time. I think some people as well, which is like the idea of not sitting at a desk all day yeah. and not you know, being out in, yeah. in the weather. I know, it's, I know it's not always fine weather, but being out in the weather and actually not being at a desk and just being surrounded you by... You can see the rewards for your work instantly. Yeah. You know, whether it be mowing or pruning or planting, you know, all, all of those things, you know, or even clearing. Some of the more ugly jobs that we uh, undertake are, you know, dealing with brambles and spiky plants and, and sort of the less attractive okay. side of our site. Um, but, you know, you can you can see instant results by turning an area around. You yeah. know, it might have not been on our radar for a while and it's become a little bit unkept. But, you know, we stick a couple of people on it. Uh, Keen to turn it around, and you, you can see instant results of it not just being cleared but replanted sometimes in the mm. same day. Yeah, so you know, I, I, I get a big kick personally out of stuff like that. As you know, that, that instant you know, results of you can see what you've put the effort into yeah. within a day or two. Um, I think that would be one of my worst jobs spiky things, just go through gloves. I can't be doing with them. Well, yeah, I play guitar, so that is yeah. one of the downsides yeah. okay, right. of you know. Okay. We, we wear gloves, of course, but sometimes the gloves aren't, you know, we, yeah. we, it's not just brambles, you know, there's obviously hawthorns and blackthorns and some tropical thorns that we've got <laughs> in the glass yeah. houses. It's a, there's, there's always a scope for getting the odd thorn in your fingers and when you're kind of when fretting playing, steel yeah, strings, right. it's not very pleasant. Okay, skills that you wouldn't normally associate with your field of work. What, what do you use, like, that you, like you were saying about Latin would have been useful, but what do you use at work that people wouldn't expect a gardener to use, like maths, English? Oh yeah, we use all of that all the time because yeah. you're having to work out sort of volumes of mulch. Right. Okay. To take an example. Yeah. How how much mulch do I need to cover all the borders in the zoo? Right. How so, much? What's the answer? Um, A lot. I think it was. I think we're up to four lots of eighty cubic meters hey, okay, this year so already. So wow. Lots. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 320 cubic metres, there we go. Yeah, we go. That's quite a lot, See, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, so uh, mass in terms of just calculating volumes and I guess when you're uh, propagating things as well, you need to know that. Like Jay? Oh, yeah, likewise, but, you know, English. Yeah. Common, common sense is, you know, very, very, you know, we were working with dangerous equipment, we were working around dangerous animals, mm -hmm. we were working with members of the public. So uh, just being an, an all-round... Yeah. You know. that you remember to read the instructions and yeah. understand them well, yeah most of most of the blokes on our teams you know if we get a new bit of kit in in the workshop yeah. we, we tend to do the typical bloke thing which is try and work out how to use it without reading the instructions quite often it doesn't work and we have to revert back to the book yeah um, i think it's quite interesting because when when you're at school and the teacher's saying well you're going to need this and and of course a lot of people don't believe them and when the keeper said they needed to use Excel, you know, and 
that comes up and yeah. then computer skills yeah. and, you know now yeah. nowadays definitely i mean record keeping obviously being a botanic garden is is crucial that we keep really good records yeah and of course that's all digital now so computer skills are valuable but I think okay that's true you were saying about plant disease just now as well right so mm-hmm. there must be quite a lot of paperwork if we're bringing in something different or yeah we, we have to have um material transfers so if we send plants yeah. off to another collection then right when you're posting your little yeah, so pollen. so records, but also a lot of botanical science. So how plants yeah um, grow and work, and if you just stick a plant in the ground and don't think about what it needs, yeah, um, in terms of water and light and temperature. Yeah, when you stick your then, stick with leaves on it in the ground and something gets water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so, not going to leave that down. Nope. <laughs> there's lots of knowledge in terms of that plant care which comes back to science yeah um but then also going back to the latin names um understanding all of that side of things in terms of keeping the records so okay i think like working for a conservation charity often means that that we earn less than we could in other fields like for a lot of us it's because we're working towards like trying to help with conservation or trying to create somewhere where people can connect with nature or, or learn about the world world but are there other sacrifices i mean the, the weekend work and things like that the keepers when we asked them about sacrifices for their job they said well uh they've actually been away from family a lot of keepers will move to take a job somewhere else but with gardeners is that the case or is it it can be yeah, yeah. um i've moved around the country oh, okay, um, right. to follow my career and overseas i did six months um, internship out in Israel. Okay, that sounds really hard. I feel that sacrifice was, you know, brutal. Um, <laughs> so actually, an opportunity, right? Which is yeah. you can travel internationally with it. Like, yeah. uh, it's quite exciting now. Yeah. So there's lots of opportunities um, if somebody wants to get into horticultural career um, to work in gardens across the world. Brit- or English gardeners, British gardeners yeah. are are known for being able to work to an incredibly high standard and horticulture has been such a part of our culture for so long. Yeah. So being thick, I would have thought that being a gardener, you were, or, you know, you were training to do a job and you'd be working in this country, but actually you could be moving around. So if I said to you, uh, we're working for a conservation charity and how does that work? How, How are you helping to save rare or endangered species? So one of the examples would be the white bean where you're getting seeds from a or collecting seeds from from native trees and then propagating them and then they're replanted so you're basically taking seeds and giving them a helping hands to produce young healthy trees yeah so um while this building work's going on there's nowhere for them to go um but afterwards hopefully these trees will go on to keep that those species of sorbus going in the wild. Right, okay, so it's actually sort of habitat repair in the wild that yeah. we can help with. Yeah. I suppose if I said to you, like, I, if, when I asked you the question, what's the rarest species you work with, I was almost expecting it to be some tropical oddity, you know, like a strange thing, like the t- Titan Arum that we're dealing with, but actually it's uh, like a native tree that needs a helping hand to, yeah. to survive in the wild. So many of British species are potentially under threat, and yeah. over the years we, we've worked with a number of different species, whether it be a tiny and not very exciting looking grass called Bromus, which right, actually okay. was extinct in the wild. Okay, um, right. And we, we grew seeds 
on and then plants so we could produce more seeds so those seeds could go into the Millennium Seed Bank. Right. Um, Amazing. And, and that project came to an end because the seeds were stored for perpetuity. Right. Bromus is a species which has suffered through changes in practices in agriculture. So in the old days when the wheat was harvested um, by hand, in that process seeds of the Bromus would be um, collected okay. and then when they sowed the next year oh, okay. some of the bromus seed would go back in oh, wow. whereas now it's all mechanical yeah um the bromus have kind of lost out to okay so again practice. it's sort of given a native species a yeah. helping hand when... um and we've done other species like strap wilts um and working with the um people down at slapton low right, okay. to ensure that that population stays stable so okay jay have you got a like a particular sort of plant you like working with? Or? Uh, I think trees and shrubs. As Kathy said earlier, planting something that's going to outlive you. Yeah. Uh, it's planted correctly, of course. Yeah. You know. Um, I think there's, there's always a, a wonder in that. You know, something that's going to be majestic and, and big, whether, yeah. whether it be an oak or something that's gonna, even a non-native. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's the wow factor. Um, Again, okay, we're working with some quite unusual species there, like the wallaby pines, um, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, monkey, monkey puzzles and things, right? Mm -hmm. So quite different ones, okay. Uh, what's technically tricky about your job? Technically, I think we all have our strengths and weaknesses on the team. I think as a team, we, we cover all bases really well. Right. Uh, as I said earlier, some people prefer mowing and some people don't. But yeah, I think um, one of my weaker points is I'm not fantastic with sort of engines and mechanics. Okay. You know? I can strip down a chainsaw yeah. uh, and sharpen a chainsaw, but you know, if you give me an engine, I'm not very good at mm, yeah. tinkering with engines. So yeah, I'm, I'm no good at starting a strimmer. I, I'm just it, they befuddle me. I don't know what it is. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But yeah, when, when it gets a bit more technical, then yeah. uh, I think that's my weak point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, um, what's technically tricky about your job? What confuses you? Or it doesn't it befuddle like me, but I suppose it's a unique one to working in a zoo. Is the complex nature of having to plan the work because. Yeah. In a normal garden, um, say working for the National Trust, you can do a job pretty much any time. Um, the only considerations are if the public are in. Okay. Or, Is this um, a good time to mention the mandrels? <laughs> because just, I did hear uh, that they ruined your planting. Was that correct? Yeah. So, <laughs> so. yeah, that they, 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 they entered into doing a bit of gardening themselves, right, okay. I think is a polite way. So we very recently we... <laughs> yeah, weeding. <laughs> very recently we replaced the fencing on our mandrel enclosure and now uh, the planting work that the gardeners have done has been undone by the mandrels. Yeah, well, they, they have started to leave a few things alone, the things right. that survived. Oh, good. Okay. So but it, it's the, very much natural selection. That's the challenge <laughs> of working in an environment like this, is, as Catherine stated, it, there is all these challenges is is what will the animals make of particular plants you know yeah. plants need to be established to give them a, a fighting chance yeah unfortunately though we only had a small window to try and get some plants into that enclosure knowing full well that some of them would be sacrificial plants yeah. the nature of a mandrel um, <laughs> i think i'm quite I'm, I'm quite lucky that i can wear both hats because i understand the animal side of it as well as the, yeah. the what the plants need so I, I did sort of see it coming, but you still, you don't give up, you still try yeah, you to, 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 to win a battle, if you like, and 
and the mad was just laughed at us really and I think every plant pretty much all by one maybe was pulled out of the ground within a day. Um, Keepers have been good and replanted where they can yeah. so but we have to be almost counterintuitive somebody might think well you're planting up an animal enclosure that's you're going to plant lots of things the animals like that's Big no-no. Okay, you want to plant things they don't like. Yeah, okay. you, you want a plant selection where if they eat it, they go, oh, yuck, that's horrible, because okay. they won't eat it again. Okay. Um, if you could, can get away with planting spiky plants, and we tried that in the mandrels with planting berberis, then hopefully they'll grab it once and then go, oh, don't like spiky plants and yeah. leave it alone. Yeah. So you've really got to think on your head that actually you're not trying to please the animals too yeah. much because if they really like the plant, then chances are that plant is going to live less than a day. I think it's a good parenting advice there as well. So, yeah, so, the plant yeah. isn't going to survive because it's constantly being eaten. It's you're going to end up with a fat animal and an enclosure that doesn't look nice. It yes. likes yes. all yes. plants that they like, isn't it? Okay, we're nearly finished. So uh, one question is, uh, if you weren't working in conservation, what would you be? That's really difficult. <laughs> mm. What would you be? Uh, Following that, well, not a boxer, not at my age anymore. No, um, I think I'd, I'd like to think I'll be working in music industry somewhere. Yeah. But um, right, okay, yeah. so it'll be dream, uh, alternative career, and uh, I guess the only other career that I briefly considered was for a while. One of my main hobbies was sailing, okay. um, and I used to volunteer a lot with the Tall Ships Youth Trust. Right, okay, so, um, so, so, so yeah, a pirate probably. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Ollie. Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. Uh, what would I do if I wasn't here? Um... Dancer. I'm thinking <laughs> Definitely not. Not with, not with my uh, form. I think I think I'd be very I've graceful I've got an image of all busting moves now. Yeah, no, it's not good. Not good. Um, I would probably do something with my hands, something like mechanic or something where, like you were saying earlier, mm. and, like we've been saying, something where you can actually see the progress that you've made or something where you can create something or fix something and tinkering, because I'm very much... Do that as a hobby, and I get to do that with all the cameras that I use. Yeah. Well, okay. if I could make a career out of that, then that would be the other thing I would I think do. sometimes it's finding what you're good at and what you enjoy mm. doing, and then trying to find if you can do that actually as a career, which is quite... Um, an amazing idea. So like, on that thread, Ollie was saying he loves strumming his dad's garden. Yeah. Maybe Ollie should be a gardener. I think he needs to Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we can turn him. What would your advice for your 15-year-old self be? If you could go back now, just quite quite a word about careers in your 15-year-old self. Um, I think, I don't think, it, you should never really have regrets in your life. I think I'm, I'm really fortunate with my career. Um, I've worked hard at, at my career to, to to get out of it what I can. So I'm, I'm quite proud of that. I don't think I'd have made too many changes. I think I'd have come into it with a, a bit more effort from the school-based side of things. Okay. Um, just to give me a more of a head start with an ology or two. Yeah. Um, but, you know, okay. I, I think, not I think you get what you work for in life. You mm. know, maybe that's just one of my old-fashioned beliefs. But yeah. um, I think the passion and, and yeah, just, just a willing, willingness cool. to try and... Realise your dream. Yeah. It's my advice. Catherine? I'd say take up every opportunity that you can and look for opportunities. Right. So often people say, oh, I didn't get the chance to do that. But you actually have to sometimes hunt down 
the opportunity to go and work out in Israel. Okay, so yeah. experiences, so I, I saw a tiny notice on the college yeah. notice board that set off, and, and I was the only person in my year that pursued that. Okay, so basically just take the opportunities that come yeah, up. Yeah, so, so even them. if it's a small little thread, follow yeah. it, because, mm. okay. yeah, you never Very know where that's going to lead. Yeah. It's on a similar note, my, mine was reptiles. I used to keep snakes when I was a child. So it wasn't so much being a zookeeper, it was, I want to work with snakes predominantly, but reptiles. And obviously the zoo is, you know, any zoo would have been the, the perfect platform to, to get those skills. So uh, as it turns out, I was a mammal keeper for 26 years. And <laughs> I did work with reptiles a little bit, but you know, I specialized more with dangerous yeah. big cats and rhinos okay. and that sort right. of stuff. So it wasn't really a, what I set out to do. Yeah. I sort of stumbled along and found my niche. You got distracted. Got distracted, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today. You're and uh, thank you for listening to our uh, Wild Planet Trust Careers podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us a review. Or if you're watching, please hit the like button and leave us a comment about your favourite part of the episode. To get more content from Wild Planet Trust, please consider checking out our YouTube channel. You can subscribe there and you can also subscribe to our newsletter on our website. Of course, you can find Wild Planet Trust, Paint and Zoo and Nuki Zoo on all main social media platforms. And we'd really appreciate you checking those out as well. All that's left to say is thank you very much for watching. And of course, we'll see you in the next episode.